1 John 5, verse 13. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And then go from there to 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. And we want to read through chapter 2, verse 1. 1 John 1, 8. The Bible says, If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. My little children, I am writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Yeshua the Messiah, the Righteous One. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you would just open up these passages, Father, to our minds and our hearts today. Father, I pray that we would remember them. I pray that you would bring back to my memory the things that I have studied about and the texts that I have went through this past week. Help me to be able, by your power, to relay your word to these people here today. Father Yahweh, I praise you and I thank you, and it's through your Son I pray. Amen. Before I begin, by way of introduction, I want to give an explanation of preaching strongly or strong preaching. I want everybody to know, I go back sometimes and listen or re-listen to sermons that I teach, and sometimes I, I think, man, you know, I, boy, that was pretty hard, and that was pretty strong. But I do want everybody to know that when I preach a message that may seem hard or even harsh at the time, I want you to know that I'm not doing it out of pride or arrogance. I'm not doing it out of a desire to lord over your life. I'm not doing it out of the idea that I'm always right. And I'm most certainly not doing it out of the idea that no one else has the truth except me or that no one is saved besides me. That's not my intentions at all. Believe me. Please take my word for this. It's not my intentions, any of those things. I preach strongly because I'm very passionate about the Scriptures. I really love my Creator and His Son. I really, really do. They mean the world to me. That's what I live for. And that's why I preach strongly primarily. <laughs> Secondarily, it's because I love you people. I love you with all of my heart. See, as a preacher, I'm going to be held accountable for the things that I speak across this pulpit. It's a very dangerous job, not just for you, the listener, that hears the Word being preached, but it's very dangerous for me because if I preach to you in a wrong manner or if I don't proclaim the true gospel message to you and if I don't get what's in my mind and heart across to you, I'll be held accountable for that. So I take that very, very seriously. I really do. I pray often about it and ask Yahweh, please lead my, my, my words, lead my tongue, lead my speech. Leave my demeanor. Let it be becoming of the Holy Spirit. As James 3 verse 1 says, the teacher will incur or undergo a stricter judgment. That's what the Bible says. That being said, I do want to say this. Please forgive me if I don't bring something across in the right spirit or the right attitude. I pray that somehow you'll be able to look past my wrong spirit or my wrong attitude that I may have at times. Look past that and look to the Word. Look to the Word. Because I do genuinely desire to speak the truth in love. I want you to know that. And I love you. 
We go to our text now in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. We've been talking about this issue of how do we know that we're saved? How can we tell whether or not we're saved? Just recently, a very close friend of mine has, has told me about a relative that he has. And this relative is getting close to death. He's getting up in years and the doctors have told him that he doesn't have much time to live. And so this relative told my friend, my dear friend, that when he heard this message from his doctor, the first thing that he did was go to his local church, the church that was closest to his home, and he had the preacher baptize him. And then he went back home and he began to do his same mundane things and live his same life. I think that that's the mindset of a lot of people that live today in the church world or in the world in general. Now, I believe that we should make confessions. I believe we should make professions of faith with our mouth. I believe that we should repent openly and I believe that we should be baptized. I believe in all those things. But I'm here to tell you today that everybody that does those things is not saved. The saved people will have accomplished those things, but just because those things take place in a person's life doesn't mean that they've been saved. I've baptized some people that I believe were dry sinners before the baptism and were wet sinners after the baptism. Now what I mean when I say that is this. I don't believe there was any heart change. Why, why do I say that? Because now when I examine the lifestyle of some of the people that I've baptized, some of them have died. Some of them are living a lifestyle of sin and unrighteousness as though Yahweh in the Scriptures has absolutely zero to do with anything in their life. That's a good, clear evidence that there was no genuine regeneration in their heart. I'm not saying that you're going to know everything overnight. Oh, I know a whole lot more now, 13 years later after I've been studying the Bible, than I knew 13 years ago. I know a lot more now and am doing and practicing a lot more now and have ceased to practice a lot more now than I did 13 years ago. So it is a gradual progression, but it is a progression, brothers and sisters. It is. If you go 13 years or 20 years or 30 years and you claim to be saved, and you never grow in knowledge and in truth and in grace, well, I question, how genuine is your salvation? Have you truly been bought by the blood of the Messiah? Have you truly been born again of the Spirit and not just of the flesh? As we go to 1 John chapter 1, we remember last week we talked about the first test in 1 John. That's why John wrote his epistle, so that we might know that we have eternal life. And I want to urge you to test yourself by the epistle. Test yourself by the Scriptures. Don't test yourself by what you feel. Don't test yourself by your emotions. Don't test yourself by what your friend might say. Your friend might say, yes, I thank you that you're saved. Or by what your family might say. Don't test yourself that way. You test yourself by the Scriptures. It's that important to see whether or not you've truly had an experience to see whether or not you've truly been delivered by the power of the Holy Spirit. There is deliverance for you. But I think a lot of people claim and profess that they have been delivered, but yet they still live the exact same way that they did prior to their profession of faith. That's not a true profession. That's a false profession. So we talked about that last week. That's a very good test. If we say we have fellowship with Yahweh God, but yet we walk around in darkness. We live a lifestyle that is everything contrary to Yahweh. We never read our Bible, or rarely. We never pray, rarely pray, never study. We don't like to talk about the Bible. 
We might even get fidgety if somebody brings up the Bible. Well, the odds are you're probably not saved. You're probably not regenerate. You're probably not born again if you feel that way. You need to test your heart. It's a very serious matter. So if you walk in darkness, it doesn't matter how much you say you have fellowship with Yahweh. You lie. You do not the truth, brothers and sisters. Our next test is found in 1 John 1, beginning at verse 8. And it says, If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. This verse, first of all, brings balance to the last message. While the genuine Christian does not walk in darkness, the Christian does still have the ability to commit sin. The genuine believer has a new heart and a new mind. But this new heart and new mind is inside of corruptibility, of corruption. We won't meet our final sanctification or our final glorification until we inherit our new body in the kingdom. Then the desire to sin, the ability to sin, will be removed from us. And we will only desire that which is righteous and that which is holy. You have the ability now to forego sin, but you still have the ability to commit sin at the same time. And so here in verse 8, we have another if we say phrase. And you'll find this all through John. If we say, if you say, if you profess. So your profession of faith doesn't mean anything to Yahweh. It's just words. Unless you follow that profession up with actions. Proof of your words. Proof of your faith. And in this case, in verse 8, it is if we say that we have no sin. We deceive ourselves. Now remember, John is writing to those who profess to be believers. We proved that from the last message. The people that John wrote this epistle to would be people in the church, in the visible church. That doesn't mean that they would all be saved, but they would all be in the visible church. You could see them at the Sabbath assembly. And they would profess that they have fellowship with God. John wasn't writing to people that didn't make that profession. He wrote to people that made the profession. And the same people he wrote to, he said in this verse, if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself, and the truth is not in you. What does this mean? I believe that one of the strongest meanings here in this text is this, is that a genuine believer, one who is truly born again, will continuously be sensitive to sin. Sensitive to sin. The other day, my youngest child, David, he fell off the bed. I guess that makes five out of five. (laughs) They've all fallen off the bed at some time or another. And so my wife, she tells me, turn on the light, let me check his head. He's crying. So I turn on the light and... It looked like somebody had stuck a, a ping pong or a golf ball inside of his skin and it was protruding out. And of course, it was getting bigger by the second. You know, and oh, I said, oh, Father in heaven. You know, and a couple of days later, I noticed it had been changing colors. And so I put my hand up here to touch it. And I remember when I put my hand up there to touch it, I barely touched the surface of it. And he drew back and kind of whimpered. He didn't cry, but he kind of whimpered. And it was because. That was a sensitive part on his body. He was sensitive to his daddy's touch. He didn't want daddy touching his sore head. He didn't want me to touch that. He was sensitive there. Are you sensitive to sin, brothers and sisters? Now, when I say that, I do not mean that it makes you upset when somebody confronts you about your sin. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about when you hear a strong message and you get upset and you think, well, what does he have the right to tell me that? Who does he think he is? I'm going to be fine, all like I am. I'm just going to live my life. And I don't care what the pastor says, what the preacher says. I don't care what the Word of Yahweh says. I'm not talking about sensitivity in that aspect. I'm talking about sensitivity in this way. 
you hear a strong message preached. You read the Word of Yahweh. You read the Law of Moses. And it breaks your heart when you come across something that you're not doing. It tears you apart. I don't care how small it may seem to you. It breaks your heart because you want to be holy. And I'm here to tell you today, at the point that you think that you have maybe arrived, if you're truly saved and you think you may be arrived, Yahweh's going to show you a deeper, more strong revelation of His holiness. And then you're going to understand just how more unholy you really are. And then you're going to progress. You're going to sanctify and you're going to reach another level. And then when you reach that level, Yahweh's going to show you even a deeper revelation of His holiness. And it's going to show you just how unholy you are. And that's going to happen time and time again until the day that you die. And you're going to progress, but you're going to continuously see how holy Yahweh is. Are you sensitive to sin? When the arrow of the Word is shot from the bow of the Scriptures and it tries to pierce your heart, does it bounce off of your heart because you have a heart that's stone cold? And the preacher can preach and the Word can be spoken. You can read the law. You can hear it being read. But it never affects you because you do not have a regenerated heart. It bounces off. That's not a sensitivity to sin. But when that same arrow is shot out and it pierces your heart and it goes all the way through because you have a heart that's pliable and it hits you and you don't get upset. Do you know that it doesn't matter how strong a preacher preaches or how hard and convicting a message a preacher preaches when he's preaching to somebody that's saved? The saved person, it doesn't matter if he steps all over the saved person's toes as I've heard preachers say. It doesn't matter. They may cry and they may be convicted, but it doesn't bother them in the sense that they don't want to hear it. They want to hear it. Now, it bothers them in the sense that they're sensitive to the sin in their life, but they want to hear it and they say, yes, you're talking about me. Preach it to me, brother. Preach it to me. Tell me about it. Let me hear it. Oh, I need to hear it. And that's the problem with a lot of people today because a lot of preachers don't preach about sin, what sin is, and name sin specifically anymore. And people's ears have become dull. And their eyes, they have closed. And they would rather have their ears tickled. The Bible talks about people heaping to themselves teachers and having itching ears. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned into fables. But Paul told Timothy, Timothy, young man, preach the Word. Preach the Word. A preacher has to be faithful in preaching the Word. That's how Yahweh will save souls. You might think that you're saving souls if you try to make your church fit in with the world. You might think that you're converting people. But listen, you're making false converts. You're not making true converts. That's what's happening. But when you are faithful to the Word and you preach the Word, as Paul wrote to Timothy, and not fables of man, not itch the ears or tickle the ears, but you preach the Word, It convicts and it saves people. Yahweh has chosen through the foolishness of preaching to save those that believe, the Scripture says. So are you sensitive to sin? If you are, you will not be able to just dismiss transgression in your life. You will not be able just to chalk it up as not being a problem. There will continuously be in you a drive to fight sin. If you say you have no sin, brothers and sisters, you deceive yourself. And the truth is not in you. 1 John 1.9 says... 
If we confess our sins, once again still talking to the Christians, the professing Christians, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. These people, the genuinely saved people, will be confessors. Do you know what confession means? A lot of people mistake it for meaning asking for forgiveness. And it's tied real, real close to asking for forgiveness. But it's not exactly that. There is asking for forgiveness, that's saying I'm sorry, apologizing. There is repentance. Repentance means to change your direction. That's what repentance means. To stop going in the way of sin, turn around and go in the way of righteousness. But confession literally in the Greek means this. It means to say the same thing as someone else. To agree with or to assent to. And in this case, what it means is that the same thing that God says about you and your sin, you say to Him. You know when you've committed sin, brothers and sisters. You know. And when you get to a point where you can confess to God, yes, yes, I fail in that area. I need help, Father. I need you to help me. Please, please change my heart, O Yahweh. Make it ever true as we sing out of the Psalms. May I be like you. You're the potter, I'm the clay. Mold me and make me to do your will, Holy Father. I know I have problems. And I confess to you, I agree with you. I say the same thing about my sin that you say about my sin. I need help. That's what it means to confess. Not to a priest. Not to a priest or a preacher, whether Catholic or Protestant. Not to either one. But you confess to Yahweh. You confess to Almighty Yahweh. You know, I have noticed in my short life how that when, whenever there's a strong message preached at a church and it cuts to the heart, it is always the most spiritual people that are broken and have the desire to confess their sins. I remember growing up in church and, and there would be a very convicting message taught. and I mean, it would cut to the heart. And I remember I would think, as a little child, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so is going to get prayer or they're going down to pray at the altar there, as we call it, the steps there of the, of the church on the, on the platform. Man, they're the most one of the most spiritual people in the church. Why, what do they need? You know why they're doing that? It's because they're saved. They're saved. doesn't matter how much fruit they're bearing. They're sensitive to sin. No matter how small it is in their life, they know that apart from Yahweh, they could be nothing. They could be nothing. That's why you see the most spiritual people that get broken when a strong message is preached. That's why you see that. Do you remember the story, the parable in Luke 18 about the Pharisee and the tax collector? The Pharisee, he prayed thus to himself. He said, Oh God, I'm glad I'm not like this sinner that's beside me. I fast twice a week and I give tithes of everything I possess and I do this and I do that. And in reality, the Pharisees, they put on an outward show of righteousness. They were not truly spiritual people. They did follow the outward things and they did follow the oral traditions of the Jews. Yes, they kept those meticulously. But when it came to the sins of the heart, they fell oh so short. And they appeared and looked like they were righteous. But inside they were full of dead men's bones. They were whitewashed tombs. Serpents. Generation of vipers, Yeshua called them. So this Pharisee, he prayed thus to himself. He wasn't praying to Yahweh. He was praying to himself. But the tax collector, the publican, he wouldn't so much as even lift his eyes to the heavens. He bowed his head and he said, Father, have mercy on me, for I'm a sinner. The Bible says that the Pharisee didn't go home justified, but that the tax collector did. What's the meaning of that parable? The parable is not meant to teach that the tax collector lived a lifestyle that was evil. It's not meant to teach that it's okay for us to live a lifestyle that's evil and we can just ask for forgiveness. No, that's not the meaning of the parable. The meaning of the parable is this, that every time we come before Yahweh, we should recognize that it 
is because of Him that we are able to do anything. Remember last week we learned in 1 John 4.19, why do we love Him? Because He first loved us. That's what the publican was recognizing. That's what he was saying. Father, have mercy on me for I am a sinner. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't even be able to speak this prayer. I wouldn't be able to talk to you if it wasn't for you. You didn't put that desire in my heart. And if you're a saved person, you'll pray the prayer of the publican, of the tax collector. Each time you pray, you'll know that apart from the mercies of Yahweh, you are a dreadful sinner under the wrath of God. And you'll say, Father, have mercy upon me. I don't care how many laws and commandments you observe. I don't care how much of a lifestyle you live of righteousness. That will continuously be your prayer because you want to draw closer and closer to the Heavenly Father. You are sensitive to sin. You have a sensitivity to sin. Proverbs 28 verse 13 says, The one who conceals his sin will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will find mercy. Oh, do you conceal your sin today? You may think that it's concealed from people and it may be. You may conceal it from your family. You may conceal it from your spouse. You may conceal it from your children. You may conceal it from everybody in the world, but you're not concealing it from Yahweh. Yahweh's eyes go to and fro about the whole earth. He beholds, yes, the good, but He also beholds the evil. And you're not hiding anything from His face. He sees all and knows all. He hears and listens to every thought that you have in your brain. He knows every idle word that you speak. And if you come before Him and you act like you have no sin, 1 John 1, 8, you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you, brothers and sisters. He that confesses and forsakes his sin shall find mercy. Not just confession, but renouncing and forsaking. You will find mercy when you do that. Praise Yahweh. These saved people that recognize the sin in their life, they may be bearing much fruit, but their fruit doesn't build up pride in them. It doesn't build up a braggadocious spirit in that person. They are very aware that they still struggle and they need to always fight the spiritual battle. For example, let me give you a little example, a little illustration. I taught a very hard message last week. Hopefully it was convicting. But it may have just bounced off some of you. You may have not thought about it anymore throughout the whole week. But if it hits you like a ton of bricks and you felt like you needed to examine yourself to make sure that you're saved, you need to rejoice because it's probably a sign that you're saved because you're sensitive to sin. It's probably a good sign that Yahweh's working on you. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 28, verse 9. It says, He that turneth his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer should be an abomination. But you know, the opposite of that is true. He that inclineth his ear to hearing the law, his prayer shall be righteous before Yahweh. If you turn your ear from hearing the law of Yahweh, your prayer goes up and it's nothing more than a homosexual act in his nostrils. That's what the word abomination refers to in the Torah. Swine's flesh, homosexuality. But if you incline your ear to hearing the law, it doesn't mean that you're perfect, it doesn't mean that you're sinless, but when you hear the law or you read the law, you incline your ear to it. You want to grow. You want to listen. You want to learn. And you want to increase. Your prayer is righteous before the Heavenly Father. He listens to that prayer. Oh, hallelujah. So I ask you, do you get broken when you read your Bible? Does it break you when you read? 
Hallelujah. When you read about how holy Yahweh is, or how holy His law is, or how holy His Son is, does it break you to pieces? Do you yearn to be a more spiritual person? I mean, is it burning within you? Is there a fire in you and you can't quit thinking about it? And you struggle and you fight and you know that there's sin in your life, but you want to fight it and you want to kill it. Are you sensitive to sin today? Well, if you are, these are all evidences that you are saved because you are sensitive to sin in your life. 1 John 1 verse 10, it says, If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. I think this could be a reference to two things, one or the other or maybe both. This could be a reference to past sins because of the different wording in verses 8 and 10. Notice verse 8 says, if we say we have no sin, that's present. Verse 10 is past, if we say we have not sinned. That could be a possible meaning there. Or it could be a reference to when a professing Christian commits a sin, but they deny that they have done anything wrong. Now, I didn't say a genuine Christian. A genuine Christian won't be able to be in denial. It'll eat at them. It's like I said before in, in one of my sermons. It's, you know, if you're a genuine believer, you can do the smallest thing. You know, it's the smallest thing. I mean, you might not prefer your neighbor over yourself when you're having coffee or something. Or you might just say a word that maybe wasn't that bad, but you feel like you just maybe touched somebody the wrong way. That little thing right there will eat at you all day long. And it'll eat at you until you go to that person and you say, please, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I didn't mean anything by that. But the person that's unsaved, they can run like a wild animal off of a leash in the world and never be disciplined. Never be disciplined by the Father. Whom He disciplines, that's whom He loves. Believe me, that's whom He loves. Hallelujah. I've had people come to me and say, Brother Matthew, I, I'm doing everything that I know right now to do. I'm, I'm praying, I'm fasting, I'm reading my Bible, I'm trying to live by the Torah. I'm believing in the Son of Yahweh. I'm believing in Yahweh, the God of Israel. But I, I'm still struggling. I'm still fighting. And I look at people in the world and they seem like they're so happy and they don't, they don't ever have any problems. Well, that's because Yahweh's not their father. Yahweh's not dealing with them. Yahweh's let them go. You need to be thankful that Yahweh's dealing with you. Because as long as you have those struggles and as long as you, you remain sensitive, you know that Father Yahweh, He is your father. You are His child. He is dealing with you. Hallelujah. So, if you never think that you do anything wrong, it's probably good evidence that you're not saved. probably is. If you commit a sin and a brother or sister tries to come to you and says, Listen, brother, I fear for your soul. Or if you read in the Word and you see a sin and you can just kind of overlook it and you don't have to worry about it and you think, Oh, no, I'm fine and I'm dandy. You're probably not saved. You're probably not born again. When somebody comes to you, like Brother Arnold was talking about, the Bible says in Leviticus 19, it says, Don't hate your brother in your heart. You shall in any wise rebuke your brother and not suffer sin to come upon him. So when a brother comes to rebuke you, if you're a wise man, it'll make you grow wiser. If you're a foolish man, you'll laugh him to scorn. You come to him. You don't get prideful and you start trying to point things out in his life. No, you just center on yourself. You say, no, what? You're probably right. I need to work on that. I need, I need help in that area. Pray for me. Let's pray. You have sensitivity there to sin. Oh, be very thankful. It's an evidence that you have salvation. Why does it say that we make God a liar and His Word is not in us if we say that we have not sinned? Well, because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of His glory. Romans 3.23. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 verse 6 that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way. But Yahweh the Father hath laid on Him, the Son, the iniquity or the sin of us all. 
That's what the Scripture says. So we like sheep, we've gone astray. We went and we've sinned. So if we say that we have not sinned, we've never sinned, well, we're basically a good person. You know, I've actually witnessed to some people before about the gospel, and they say, you know, I'm pretty, pretty good. I live a pretty good life. I don't think I really need to ask for forgiveness or repent. They make Yahweh a liar. They're not just saying that Yahweh has lied. There's a difference, brothers and sisters. There's a difference between somebody just telling a lie and being a liar. So you're not just saying Yahweh has lied. No, you're saying, God, you're a liar. You're a liar if you say that you don't have sin in your life. And you don't need forgiveness. You don't need the blood of the Messiah to cover you. That's how you make God a liar. 1 John 2, verse 1, our last verse in this lesson. It says, My little children, I am writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Yeshua the Messiah, the righteous one. The conclusion here of this matter about not walking in darkness in verses 5 through 7, while at the same time being sensitive to sin, is found in 1 John 2, verse 1, part A. He is writing to the believers so that they may not sin. We must fight, brothers and sisters, continuously the sin that we struggle with. A lot of people want to skip over to the second part of the advocate. And I believe the part of the advocate, and I'll get to that part. But I think they missed the first part. The first reason I'm writing this to you is so that you won't sin. I'm trying to tell you it's not a good thing. So don't be like some of the people that Paul wrote to at the church at Rome and think, well... If we need grace because we've sinned, maybe that means if we just keep on sinning, the more we sin, the more grace we'll get and the better it'll be. Yahweh's grace will be manifest. Paul said, no, we shouldn't continue on in our sin that grace may abound. See, that's getting too far off on one side. That's not balancing yourself out. The true Christian, he doesn't walk in the darkness. He doesn't live a lifestyle of sin. He lives a lifestyle that is in communion and fellowship with God who is light. But at the same time, the true Christian is sensitive to sin in his life. Even though he's not walking in it, he recognizes that he's a sinner apart from the grace of Almighty Yahweh. So the first thing John says, I write these things to you so that you may not sin. Then he follows that up and says, but if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. The word advocate here means someone that's called to your side to be your helper or your aid. Someone who pleads your case before a judge. And this advocate is none other than the Son of Yahweh. Yeshua the Messiah, the righteous one. Righteous one being a reference to Him never sinning. That's how He can plead our case. See, He's already done His work. He lived a perfect life. He died a sacrificial and substitutionary death. And then He raised a victorious resurrection on the third day. And so if we do sin, we have that helper or that aid in the Messiah. And He stands by us. And He tells His Father, Father, this is my brother. This is my sister. They're part of our family. They're your child. I'm pleading their case before you. They're sorry. They're confessing. They're wanting to live a life of repentance and holiness. Hallelujah. Be a confessor, brothers and sisters. Be a confessor. Now, does all this mean that we should just sin like crazy and think Yeshua is going to work it out for us? No, no, no. That loses the balance. You must not fall off on either side of the balance beam. Uh, some people fall off on the one side and it talks about walking, not walking in darkness and other people fall off on the other side that talks about if we say we have no sin. Uh, the people that, that, that say that well, we, ha- we have to walk in light and not in darkness, um, that's good and I believe that part. But genuinely, when you examine their life, there's, there's pride there and there's sin there and they still have things to work on. You know, and I speak for myself. 
I know sins in my life I'm, I'm, I'm working on right now. They may not mean that big of a deal to you. You may not even realize certain things in the Torah right now that you, you will learn about as you progress and as you read. But there's some things I know that I don't have all ironed out and I'm working on those things. I'm working on those sins. I recognize that. I don't think that I've arrived to perfection. And that's the second mark. We don't want to fall off on either side of the balance beam. We want to walk it very securely, recognizing both tests, recognizing both evidences. We have to harmonize 1 John 1, 5-7 with 1 John 1, 8-10. So in conclusion, a true Christian walks in the light, but he still recognizes he is not walking in sinless perfection. He is not. He still recognizes he can reach greater levels of sanctification, greater levels of progressive revelation in his life. That's the true Christian, the genuine Christian. He's sensitive to sin. Oh, if you're not today, I pray that you will be broken by the Holy Spirit. I pray that Yahweh will give you a new heart. Hallelujah. And not let this message just bounce off your heart, your heart of stone. Oh, hallelujah. Father, help us all. Help us all. Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Next week we'll be covering 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. If you want to read that this week. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I love you and I thank you. Oh, I praise you, Father, for the brethren here today. Father, I just ask that you would let these words sink into our minds and our hearts today. Father, I pray that they would not fall upon deaf ears. Circumcise, Father, our ears, Father, in our eyes, so that we might hear and see the words of truth. Father, we thank you and we praise you. In your Son we pray. Amen.